Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Good morning. Welcome to Crosslink. To those of you that are first-time guests or visiting with us today or perhaps back for the first time in a long time, we are so glad that you are here. Andrew, thank you for leading us uh, in in worship here this morning. Pastor Scott is uh, away on a little bit of vacation, and and, uh, we continue uh, in a season uh, where our lead pastor uh, is on sabbatical, and so it's a privilege uh, to share uh, the word with you today. Last Sunday, uh, we began a four-part journey in the book of Colossians as we head towards the conclusion of of our time uh, this summer where Pastor Matthew has been away. You could say we're kind of on the home stretch right now. But there's also an aspect of ramping up uh, to a place of readiness uh, to his return. Here in Colossians, uh, we find that uh, God's word provides uh, an incredible challenge and encouragement uh, to the church and to every individual believer. Whether you are sitting uh, here uh, in this room uh, or watching online, uh, we we are a part of the church uh, and we have a responsibility uh, to follow what what Paul is giving a challenge to uh, the church in Colossians uh, here in this chapter. In reality, it's the starting place uh, to carry out in practice and in authenticity the life we need to live that demonstrates we are always and always Christ. As we grow closer to and more like Christ, we can more fully live out. We can more fully live out the life he has called us to and to be a light, as we say here at Crosslink, to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is certainly a clear message for the church, but also uh, there is one for those who need to know uh, Jesus Christ uh, as Lord and Savior. The theme of this series serves to prepare and challenge us to be ready, to be ready. As we look forward to to our pastor's uh, return, we look forward to the renewed vision and ministry and direction uh, that that God is working in his life uh, to lead us in. And we need to be ready for that. We need to be spiritually ready. We need to be missionally ready. We need to be personally ready for the work of the ministry. Paul's letter to the Colossian church gives a perfect explanation of a mindset of always and always Christ. And last week, we took a look uh, at what it meant to be all in, to be all in, what our life needs to look like to be all in Christ. Last Sunday, the key verse we identified from kind of the the fire hose of chapter one uh, was Colossians chapter one, verse 29. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily within me. We ended our our quick study of chapter one. See, some of you thought that it was long, um, but it was really rather short. It just depends on your perspective. Uh, You didn't see what I didn't preach uh, last Sunday. We finished with an illustration uh, that was very powerful, uh, uh, an epic illustration um, where you learned that uh, Pastor Michael is not very athletic. Uh, hopefully, uh, you walked away with more than that. Um, 
hopefully you walked away with a picture of what it looks like to be all in for Christ and what this means. We're not going to be able to be all in for Christ on a balance bike. We're, we're not going to make it through uh, this Christian journey, this Christian life and the walk that we are to live struggling and stumbling around on a balance bike, especially as we are to be growing in Christ and, and developing uh, spiritually. We can't wobble around that way. We're also not going to make it very far on a bike with training wheels. Uh, training wheels is a little bit more stable, but uh, as a growing disciple of Jesus Christ, we are to be progressing uh, towards maturity uh, and so we need to graduate beyond uh, what that looks like. Even the, even the illustration of the more accomplished writer uh, that was uh, on a fully uh, a legitimate uh, mountain bike. Uh, he had some skills, he had uh, the abilities, uh, but that bike and his preparation wasn't going to get him very far. He was riding the bike and doing the race, but he wasn't all in. The illustration uh, at the end, however, um, was one that uh, provided a, a picture of what it looked like to go the, uh, the extra mile, to, to have the endurance, uh, to, to be all in, to have a result of success. The final example of the rider who was geared up and decked out showed that he was all in for his experience. Even though he was the most prepared uh, and equipped doesn't mean he wouldn't encounter difficulty. He would still struggle. He may still get injured. In fact, I know uh, Brother Nathan has been injured several times despite his extensive preparation. Uh, but he was prepared to encounter those difficulties and lead others along the path. His uh, reliance wasn't upon himself. And he had committed to be all in. That's what the picture of Colossians chapter 1, verse 29 gives us. For this uh, purpose, also I labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily within me. Today, our focus is all to Christ. While we must strive to be all in, the purpose in always, always Christ must be that of all to Christ. How do we do this? Why? How does Paul uh, instruct and exhort the Colossian church that we can understand and apply for our lives and context today? Again, as we address the, the context of an entire chapter, similar to last week, we will not read the whole chapter all at once, but rather read two important verses uh, as a kind of a launching point uh, for the message today. And so if you are physically able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Colossians chapter 2 Verses six and seven. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. May God bless uh, the reading and application of his words. You may be seated. There's a lot going on uh, in, in chapter two, and Paul unpacks some specifics uh, to the, the context of the Colossian church that we can draw application from uh, here today. As we focus in on our study, we're going to spend, once again, a lot of time uh, in point number one, unpacking uh, the very important areas uh, that we need to understand. A few verses prior uh, in, in chapter two, uh, we see Paul continue the thought that was uh, said in, in chapter one, verse 29, that we just read. 
this idea of a struggle paints a, a, very, a picture of reality uh, for the entire chapter. It is true. It is a constant struggle for everything we do and everything we are to be all in Christ. We have a sin nature that wars within us, and we also have a world that uh, wants to draw us away from Christ. But we are not to be of the world, even though we are in it. When he was praying for and commissioning his disciples, Jesus said clearly what the state of reality would be for those who believe in him when it comes to living in the world. John chapter 17, verse 15 through 19 says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Life in this world really is a struggle. But in the various struggles uh, we encounter, we must strive to live in the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Paul says uh, he is in a struggle here for the church. He is not confessing that he is fighting a a temptation or or battling some personal issue. He is describing a great conflict uh, within himself. He is so burdened uh, that they remain in the truth of who Jesus Christ is and what he did that Paul continues his striving athletic imagery because he literally is in a fight on their behalf. To effectively live a life all to Christ, we need to first pursue spiritual progress. Pursue spiritual progress. Verses two through seven give us uh, this picture. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a knowledge of, a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself in who elude you with persuasive argument, wisdom, and knowledge. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed in overflowing with gratitude. Paul addresses two main areas, two main things here in verses uh, two through seven. As we look at verses two through five, first, we see the prerequisite for spiritual progress. There's a prerequisite for spiritual progress. These things Paul describes certainly are progress spiritually, but he brings them up here as essentials to grow towards maturity. The first is encouraged hearts in verse two. Paul addresses this because he wants to be sure it's happening. He was concerned about the church's enthusiasm due to the false teachings that they were hearing. The Greek word used here is the word paraclete, which can sometimes mean comfort, it can sometimes mean exhort, but always uh, brings with it the main idea of being able to meet and withstand, meet and withstand a difficult situation 
with confidence. Paul wanted the Colossian church to remain strong, even heroic in the face of things that they were being told. It is kind of like when we turn on the news or read critical social media posts uh, diminishing a biblical lifestyle or Christian views, the world would have us compromise and give in. But we need to be encouraged. It is all to Christ. Just as the Colossian church uh, was hearing uh, confusing things and deceitful things, things that took away from Christ or distracted from Christ or, or led to a disbelief in Christ, we can encounter those same things today. First Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, if we go all the way back to the Old Testament, we see the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. When the Israelites were struggling with fear and confusion and, and uh, afraid to, to move and encounter enemies and to trust in, in, in what God had promised, it's a reminder to us uh, that the Lord is going before us and we need not be f- uh, fearful or be dismayed. Paul says that we are to be encouraged in hearts together in love together in love with unity. In the second part of verse two, Paul addressed this because he was concerned about their unity. He links these two ideas together, being encouraged uh, in their hearts and also together in love. Why? Because of the differing messages that had the potential to create uh, strong opinions and beliefs, Paul emphasized the importance of unity in the church family. This unity needs to come from love. We must have unity in place as a prerequisite to spiritual maturity because without it, we are not going to be able to be effective. We're not gonna effectively express the love of Christ to fellow believers, let alone the world uh, that needs Jesus without it, without that love and unity. When we can't be unified uh, together, Uh, in Jesus Christ, uh, we're going to have a difficult time demonstrating that uh, to others. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 says, now exhort you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Paul also discusses uh, an assurance of understanding. He wants the the readers to have an assurance of understanding. A primary goal for Paul was for his readers to know the mystery of God, namely Christ in the fellowship of the church. 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul used a similar expression, the mystery of godliness. In both texts, there is something unknown, uh, a mystery. In 1 Timothy, it is the mystery of being godly. Here in Colossians 2.2, it is the mystery of God himself. The hidden God appeared in Christ. God reveals him, the Son, Jesus explains the mystery. The unity Paul is exhorting just before uh, in the verse does not only come from a familiar ideal, idea of love, but from the knowledge of God's truth. We are to be unified in love around God's truth. The true wisdom uh, Paul wanted them to, to end us to know in Jesus would bring the church together instead of dividing them the way the false teachings would have wanted to see happen and, the, and that was happening. True wisdom in Christ unites. The false wisdom 
The false wisdom of the world divides. Paul also talks about knowledge and conviction in these uh, few verses here, in verses three and four. We know that Satan, Satan is deceptive. He wants to, to lead believers astray. And to do this, he uses deceptive words and ways. The wisdom of Christ has within it all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, but the adversary would have us believe otherwise. Spiritual discernment is so important, and we can see the application of this need all around us in our culture today. We need to be wise in conviction, just as Paul wrote to the Colossians to that so that we can grow towards maturity in Christ and not give in to meaningless positions and practices. The word mystery here is, is the same case as Christ in the text, placing it in juxtaposition with it. So that means the mystery is Christ, not, not some unknown or unheard of thing. Christ is the, the mystery that is revealed. The believer must actively study the word of God to grow in grace and in knowledge of Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. The key to the truth is yielding to Christ and not to the temporary, temporary uh, earthly truths and treasures and, and things that attract uh, that, that are not hidden. When Paul said this wisdom is hidden in Christ, he used the ancient Greek word apokryphos. This word is, is directed specifically to to an audience that, that might be reading this letter, uh, even within the church, the, the Gnostic audience. Whoa, he said the word Gnostic. Uh, what, what does that mean? The word is directed at the Gnostic thought that was infiltrating the church, which was one of the false teachings of concern. Briefly, very briefly, Gnostics believed that a great mass of from the church and Jesus Christ. So it was an alternative solution of knowledge and understanding and wisdom that could be attained to in an enlightened sort of way. When Paul, when Paul said this, he's addressing uh, that kind of thought that was infiltrating the church. Paul is reminding that real wisdom was not hidden in secret books or some higher achievement or enlightenment, but all available and available to all in Jesus Christ. False teachers then and today deceive and delude by persuading through speech that entices and distracts. It kind of reminds me of a time Kristen and I were in a situation of being offered the chance to buy a timeshare through a scenario we had innocently won a gift card through. I had heard of this type of thing and, and was interested in, in what was involved. And so in some idle time, I had one time waiting for something. I filled out uh, a little form and, and threw it in the entry. And lo and behold, I, I won this $250 gift card, which is what I really wanted out of it. But to achieve this uh, gift card that I had won, uh, we had to endure an onslaught. Uh, well, first, we had to go uh, and get it, but we had to deal with an onslaught of persuasive and enticing eloquence of words and math to buy a timeshare property that we couldn't afford and had no desire to, to even deal with or, or contemplate at that point in time. We couldn't get out of there fast enough. 
I mean, literally, we started to wonder how we were going to escape this uh, situation uh, and get away. That may be a, a legitimate sales strategy, but the same methods are dangerous and destructive when applied in the context of the church and the truth of Jesus Christ. We can easily start believing something that sounds spiritual, sounds even scriptural, but is in fact secular and even satanic if we are not discerning. We can know the mystery of God's love, God's loving purpose, which is made known through Christ alone. The concern in scripture here from Paul is that we would come to know this all-surpassing mystery through his presence in our life. In verse five, he uses the words discipline and stability. He describes what they they should, should have, discipline and stability. To avoid those deceptions, we must have discipline and stability in our life that comes from God's word. This is what Paul was rejoicing in as it was evident in the life of the Colossian church. It was. They, they had this uh, uh, discipline. They were growing in instability. Uh, this is what he was rejoicing in. But he was giving a reminder to remain steadfast. To remain steadfast. One key point to understand before we move on uh, in this idea of stability conveyed here, certainly the individual, you and I, The believer needs to be stable. But that is not the reference here. It is the church. The church, it's the Greek word stereoma. The focus of the word is corporate strength and even has a military connotation. This noun is found only here in the New Testament. But its adjective uh, form is used elsewhere, 2 Timothy 2.19, Hebrews 5.12, 1 Peter 5.9. The verb form refers to bones being made strong in Acts 3, verse 7 and verse 16, and the establishment of the church, Acts 16, verse 5. Acts 16, verse 5 says, so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. In warfare and in the church, it depicted the strength of a unified front, a unified front that could not be breached. Crosslink, as a a local body of believers, we must be careful. We must be intentional. We must be ready in discipline and stability. For the moment, we can see God's hand upon Crosslink as we stand upon God's word and preach it boldly. May we always be found faithful there, and may we never take this for granted. It's a a serious, serious reality. It's one that we can rejoice in, just as Paul was rejoicing in the Colossian church, but we must always be careful and not take it for granted. When we are all in Christ, Everything and every way about our life produces all to Christ result and all to Christ result. Therefore, I like that word. Paul likes that word too. He uses it often because he's talking about a truth that we need to connect back to what was just said before. We must continually pursue spiritual progress. Paul mentions several practical yet powerful imagery illustrations that help us connect how our spiritual progress is to be all to Christ. It is not for our sake. It is 
to be to and towards Christ alone. As we pursue spiritual progress, we need to strive towards these ideas. The pictures of spiritual progress in verses six through seven, the pictures. So Paul gives these several uh, pictures. Let's take a brief look at what they are. The phrase, so walk in him, tells us of a pilgrim. The Christian life is often compared to a pilgrimage and believers must learn to walk. This verse always reminds me of the classic and perhaps most popular work of Christian allegory, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Paul had always already encouraged his readers to walk worthy of the Lord, Colossians 1 verse 10, we talked about that last week, and uses this image again in the next two chapters. Uh, There's a constant uh, and common theme here in the book of Colossians. In Ephesians, the companion letter to the Colossian epistle, Paul used the image seven times. I may not be able to run well, but at least I've got walking down. We are to walk in Christ the same way we originally received Christ, by faith. In context of the Gnostic influence, Paul is basically saying that as we started in Christ, we must continue in Christ. This is the only way to truly make spiritual progress. A tree, firmly rooted. Here we have an agricultural word. The tense the Greek word has is once and for all being rooted. So much clearer in the original Greek. Christians cannot be tumbleweeds, blown here, there, and everywhere by every wind of doctrine, Ephesians 4, verse 14, by other, uh, by other things uh, that, can, that can blow us around. We are instead to be giant oaks that are never moving, deep and strong, We are also to not be transplants. Uh, This uh, firmly rooted idea gives this this idea as well, that we are not to be transplanted, that we're repeatedly moved from soil to soil. Once we are rooted in Christ, we have all the nourishment we need to grow. We don't need to be looking for other things for us to grow spiritually. The next uh, illustration, word picture, is built up. This gives us the idea of a building. This image is an architectural word. This word is in the present tense, which means being built up. Different than the rooted idea where we are planted as a foundation that won't come undone or change, we need to be continually growing and developing. There are many stages of a building project, and those of you in design or construction can understand. It's the work in progress sign uh, that that seems perpetual. We were continually to be improving and growing and and growing more like Christ in in that regard. The the next uh, phrase, established, instructed, is an educational uh, term. Gives us the picture of a school. Ultimately, we know that it is the word of God that builds and strengthens uh, the believer in Jesus Christ. As we saw in chapter one, Epaphras had faithfully taught the Colossians, uh, the Colossian believers, the truth of the word of God. When believers today engage in Bible study and discipleship, getting equipped for the essentials of faith, as we say in our Crosslink Equip You class, our discipleship class, they become established. They become established. The more equipped, the more established. The enemy has a difficult time deceiving the Bible-taught believer. The next uh, picture is is using the word overflowing or abounding. A river. 
This idea is often used by Paul, abounding in grace, abounding in love, abounding with kindness, etc. It suggests a picture of a river overflowing its banks. The image of, of water is, is not uh, unique to Paul, of course. Jesus often used it to describe what life was like in him. John 4, verse 10 through 14 describes the initial experience of encountering living water where we will never thirst again once we drink of it. And later in John 7, Jesus exclaimed that this living water will flow rivers from the individual who believes in him. I found that Warren Wearsby put it aptly when he said, sad to say, many of us are making no progress. Our lives are shallow trickles instead of mighty rivers. All these illustrations unpack the idea of what our walk should look like in representing the idea all to Christ. If you study Paul beyond Colossians, you find a consistent paradigm taught of, for what being all to Christ looks like in our walk. Walk in newness of life. You hear us say that when we baptize, Romans 6, 4. Do not walk according to the flesh, Romans 8, 4. Walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by the Spirit. Walk no longer like the Gentiles or unbeliever with futility of mind and dark understanding. Walk in love. Walk as children of the light. Walk carefully. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1 says, walk and please God. It also says, excel still more as you walk in and please God. Certainly, we can conclude that the clear idea of spiritual progression, of pursuing spiritual progression, should lead to a walk that is all to Christ. But we also need to prevent spiritual pitfalls. We need to prevent spiritual pitfalls. In the next couple of verses, um, we, we will see a, a see to it kind of instruction and mentality at the beginning of verse eight. We need to be in constant alert for the inroads of error, and those who spread false teaching. Paul, in writing a farewell to Ephesus on his missionary journey towards Jerusalem in Acts chapter 20, warns against uh, that exactly, what was happening here in Colossae, and again conveys the imperative of being on alert. There are two, two areas uh, within these verses uh, that, that Paul kind of defines uh, that, that we can run into spiritual pitfalls. And the first is a deficiency factor, uh, things that are deficient uh, of Christ. He identifies four types of pitfalls we should strive to avoid, being that they are fully deficient of Christ and the word of truth. Philosophies, worldly philosophies, empty deception, tradition, and elementary worldly principles. He concludes this imperative with our message theme for today, to Christ. If our beliefs and understandings in these areas do not point to Christ, then we are always going to be off somewhere in them, and they are false. We have the occasion to error in our spiritual progress by succumbing to one of these areas. Paul continues the, the military imagery with being carried off as a captive or held captive. This can occur when we are ignorant of God's word. This is what can happen when we grow cold, stagnant, ignorant to God's word and are not dwelling in it daily. So to summarize, 
There's a lot that Paul is referring to uh, in this verse alone, in verse eight. Culturally, historically, contextually, we are talking about local Judaizers, Jewish Christians who instead, um, who insisted that others follow the Mosaic law and that Gentile converts to Christianity must first be circumcised. Gnostics, uh, Europe, uh, Eastern pagan mysticism, and even genuine Christians who were focusing on an idea of legalism or asceticism that was ultimately taking away from Christ and not pointing to Christ, but pointing to a, a various philosophy or a tradition or a way of, of practicing church or, or, or belief in Christ that wasn't pointing to Christ. We can easily get hung up on these things. I'm not at all saying that we should not stand up for truth. In fact, just the opposite. The point is why and how we stand for biblical truth. Perhaps we might be strong enough Christians to not buy into some form of pagan mysticism or other humanistic ideology, but how often do we give credit to some opinion or belief based on on a worldly knowledge or something like astrology or a a horoscope or luck or or things that, that don't point to Christ? There are many church backgrounds uh, represented here uh, at Crosslink, too, with various traditions and and various uh, positions uh, that are held, which brings perspectives that uh, we can become captive to if we uh, point to them all the time rather than to the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. It doesn't point all to Christ. Today, we, we don't go around checking people for circumcision. If someone did... Well, that offense would probably get met with rapid means of some form of aggressive response, especially around here at Crosslink. Yes, I did just imply that in church. I wouldn't just say that that circumcision was a current issue for us, because it's not. But we might make some other assertion just as distracting from Christ that we link to our belief in Christ, which is what the... Uh, Judaizers were doing. I'm going to, to leave what those things are to your imagination and the prompting of the Holy Spirit and move on because simply we, we don't have time to unpack what each of those things are. And spending time talking about those things, in my opinion, is wasteful when we need to be talking more about Jesus anyway and the power of life-changing salvation that he brings. Jesus holds the supremacy card over all things. And he is also sufficient for all things, the sufficiency factor. There is such an important takeaway that Paul again emphasizes in a bold and beautiful description, a reminder of who Christ is and what he has accomplished for us. Paul makes it clear that God is not some impersonal, universal force, uncaring and distant. God does not rule over the universe through the stars and planets, nor has he sent lowly go-betweens to redeem or help us. God has created and sustains the universe through Christ, as we read in chapter 1, in whom the fullness, fullness of God dwells. Everything Christ did and everything Christ is is sufficient for everything we are when lost and separated from him. Everything we are now in Christ is sufficient for everything we need to have a life that is all in and all to Christ. If we falter 
uh, in any of those areas, and you can think of all the things that, that assail us and, and affect us today uh, as the church, if we get hung up on believing one of those falsehoods or things that take us away from Christ, we indeed will have a spiritual pitfall. But if it's not all to Christ, then it is not of Christ. We need to press on in our spiritual provisions. In your notes, uh, in the worship guide or in the app, you see a couple of points there. We are circumcised in him. We are alive in him. We are free from the law in him. That does not mean that the the law is, is unimportant and we should totally discount it, but the law was fulfilled in Christ Jesus and the law can be uh, revealed in us because of our belief in Jesus. Something like the Ten Commandments is important and vital for us because Jesus uh, shows us how to live that, uh, even though we are not under the law and the penalty of the law today, because we are victorious in him. And finally, we are to protect against Satan's and sin's pitfalls. How do we do this? Well, I'll use the word therefore. We go back to to point number one and see the areas that we are to grow in towards maturity and the the visual pictures of what our life is to look like in Christ. Even though we are victorious in Christ, our conqueror, we must beware. We must protect against the enemy's pitfalls. This last point serves as kind of a summary uh, charge, tying together the the content of 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 chapter two. We can let others judge us in a legalistic way. We can succumb to self-denial and we can indulge in, in desires of the flesh. If we do, we will dwell in those places. The power of Christ in the life of the believer does more than merely restrain the desires of the flesh. It puts new desires within him. We're going to take a look at that more next week. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. The key to this is found in Colossians 2, verse 20. If you have died with Christ, we should not succumb, submit, or surrender to the secular decrees, satanic powers, and self-made principles that are out there today. Oswald Chambers said, I, a guilty sinner, can never work to get right with God. It is impossible. There is only one way by which I can get right with God, and that is through the death of Jesus Christ. As previously addressed, the dangers of legalism, secularism, mysticism, asceticism, all of the isms are all answered with our relationship to Christ and being all to Christ always and in all ways. Paul's message to us is a warning to us. We must not be intimidated, indoctrinated, or inoculated, but we must hold fast to Christ continually laboring and walking in him, being built up in Christ by his power that works mightily within us. In just a moment, uh, as as Andrew uh, makes preparations, we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper. Jesus instructed uh, that we do this in remembrance of him. As we take heart the message of all to Christ, being all in for Christ, always and always, I can think of no better act of worship than to remember and celebrate Christ's work through us as we do the Lord's Supper. However, first we need to respond to the work God is doing in our hearts right now. 
because the Lord's Supper is, is not for everyone. It is for believers as we remember and celebrate the work Christ did. And so as we enter into a time of, of reflection and invitation, believer, disciple of Jesus, examine what you are doing. Is your everything all to Christ or partly to something else? Your priorities, your positions, your preferences all need to point others to Jesus, to Christ always and in all ways, or they will run the chance of sounding like a false teaching. We do not make spiritual progress when we are building ourselves up in something, anything other than Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. At the very end of the service, uh, there'll be some of our deacons uh, here at the front. Uh, if you have a prayer need or, or make a response in, for today's message, uh, they would love to, to share with you and, and, and talk with you about your next steps in your relationship with Christ. But right now, uh, as we pray, I want you to reflect and examine. Lord Jesus, I pray uh, for every believer uh, in this room today that we would hearken to the truth and the reality of how we need to be all about you and living our, our life all to Christ. Lord, I pray that if there is any area that we have uh, succumbed to or slid back in or we're not growing to spiritual maturity, God, I pray for that person uh, in the room right now that you would work in their heart and their mind. Lord, I pray that you would lead them to a place of, of turning back uh, to you so that they can be all in, uh, that they can be all to you alone. God, I pray for the individual uh, in this room right now who, who has struggled with the application of this message and, and who real, is, is maybe realizing that, that they need you first to get started uh, in this life. Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, work in their heart and life right now, God. And, and I pray that they would, they, they would say this prayer, Lord, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And Lord, I need you. I need you to rescue me from my sin. Lord, I dedicate my life uh, to you right now. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would wash away uh, my sins as I trust in you. Help me to live in the newness of life I have in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.